Jesus. Amen. And amen. We opened. We opened last week with this simple topic. It's the month of love. It's opportunity for us to let the people around us that we love know that we love them. That's important. Someone say that's important. And uh, the kids have a phrase. They just say, you know, PDA, public display of affection. And uh, I thought that that would just be a good little series that we could use for the three weeks to kick this month off. And uh, we're talking about last week about our love for God. And we mentioned in that conversation that it's impossible for our lifestyle not to reflect the things that we love. What we love comes out in the way that we live. What we love portrays and displays itself in our lifestyle. If you love God, your love for God will be at work. It'll be a public display of affection to the world that we live in. Uh, you know, I, we don't need closet Christians. We don't need Sunday celebrations at the end of a week that's void of any kind of contact with Jesus. We need a world that's full of Christians that are publicly displaying their love for God. Someone say amen. We're, all, we're already into the message tonight. We're already there. And we're already, uh, we're already all needing a little bit of that talk, aren't we? Because we, we all have challenges in our week, and, and the enemy is going to create all kinds of blockades. He's going he's to throw the very worst at us when we're at our very best. And I'm telling you right now, we're in a good place in the Holy Ghost. We're in a good place. There, there's just some spiritual momentum that we've got going right now. We, we've got some spiritual uh, excitement that's happening right now. We've got a youth explosion. We've got some good word from the parliament today. It's a little bit, but I'll take it. It's a little bit in the right direction. We're not going in the wrong direction. We're going in the right direction. And, and I, I hope that doesn't disagree with your political position. Or maybe I do. I don't know. I, 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 I'm, just, I'm just ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. And I, I'm not trying to overwhelm the few that may disagree, but I'm ready I'm ready for church to become a little bit more normal. I'm ready for that. I, uh, it's the sentiment of, of too many people around us. I'm ready. I'm ready. We don't need closet Christianity. It's been too easy to sit behind closed doors and view church on, church on little, little silver screens and, and go through our, that motion. We are, we are ready to engage this element of society. We're ready to move into this spiritual demographic that God is calling us to called the end times. And we know that in the end times, there is an end time revival and God is going to work in a marvelous way. So excuse us if we're just a little bit excited about moving in the right direction because in my mind that connects us closer to the thing that God has promised. It, it's going to remind us about that, that this building isn't going to be empty. It's not going to be, be uh, shuttered. The windows aren't going to be shuttered. We're going to be growing in this place in God because God is going to bring a revival to our city. As a matter of fact, we'll just step out and say it's not just this church building that's going to be filled. There are going to be church buildings that are filled. God is starting to move in a marvelous way. I know that students, you're with us tonight, but but I was chatting with your, your faculty, and they were telling us about how proud they are of the prayer meetings that you're having, and Wednesday's a powerful day. You guys had a powerful prayer meeting today. The word already came before you got here. They had a powerful prayer meeting today. God is moving in our Bible college, and, and they could 
They can sit around and complain about what they can't do because of COVID, or they can sit there and begin to call on the name of God and say, God, what is it that you're calling us to do? What is it that you're calling us to be? I, I just came to remind somebody that, that what is happening, what God is going to do in the end times isn't going to be in a closet. It's not going to be underneath some rock somewhere. It's going to be evident. It's going to be on display. It's going to be public. God is going to do that kind of work, and I want to be a part of it. Anybody with me tonight? I want to be a part of a public display of that God is going to do. I, I want the, the revival that God's going to perform to be a public display of revival. I want a public display of the miraculous. I want a public display of healings. I want a public display of Holy Ghost outpouring. I want a public display of baptismal waters being stirred. I want a public display of spiritual environment where the platform is overwhelmed and we might not get the song out just perfect because the Holy Ghost is moving. I, I, I'm looking for a public display in the seat it's out there. We're looking for that kind of work that God is going to do. And that kind of public display doesn't happen with people that keep Christianity private. That kind of Holy Ghost work doesn't happen when we're all quiet about what God, there's something about it when we, we just kind of defy the enemy and stand up and say, you know what? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Something happens when we connect ourselves to the purpose and power of the gospel and we realize in ourselves, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'll stand up. I'll put it on display. I'll put it on a banner. I'll put it on the front lawn. I'll put it on the side of my car. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And when we are not ashamed, <laughs> we'll see a public, powerful demonstration of revival when God has a people that powerfully and publicly demonstrate their affection for him. That's why I'm a little excited. About a smooth that none of that was in the notes. That, 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 that's where we're going. So when we start talking about it, something wells up. The, the Bible says, spring up a well. Something begins to spring up in our spirit. It's, just not, it's not just emotionalism. It's not just trying to stir up some emotion in the room. I, there's, there's, there's a spiritual force that begins to move. There, there's a spiritual thrust that begins to happen. This push against the gates of hell begins to occur. This pressure on the enemy begins to happen when we begin to determine to declare that we are a part of what God is going to do in this end time. A public display of affection. I, I, Brother McNair, I know that you were with Pastor Justin McKenzie on the, on the weekend. I saw that picture. I think it's recent now. Facebook throws me off sometimes because I don't know it well, but they had a baptism this past weekend. Did they have a baptism? Sure. I don't know if he did or not. It was? Someone saying, Eric saying yes, it was. So I'm looking right past you. We got, we got affirmative. Yeah. We're excited about it. We got, we got, <coughs> we got baptisms being scheduled right now. <coughs> we, we. We have a tank that's not even a year old, and Pastor Matt and I were 
in the office today and we heard water running out there, which means that the pump in here is working. So we came in to check it out and the, the tank and the water in the tank is cold. I'm like, we need to get that thing going. Call the plumber again. Get a wood stove fired up. I don't know. Like, it's just really genuinely believe that God is going to open doors that no man can shut. God is going to open doors that no man can open. So I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that, that as we begin to do our part, God is going to do his part. That's why he said, Deuteronomy 604, gave the commandment, Hear, O Israel, take heed, listen, the Lord our God is one Lord. And then he said, he said, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God. And this is some of the most powerful, some of the most powerful truths, the most powerful commandment that you can ever implement into your life. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. That's why we started where we did last week about ensuring that our relationship with God is in order. That if this connection is good, then this connection will be all right. If we get this in order, if we get this relationship in order, then all of these other things are going to fall into place. That's why, that's why he said, love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, soul, with all thy might, with all your strength. That, that all of that, that's that, that's that command that comes but then he didn't, he didn't just leave it there because it's wonderful to have the command to love. But then he, he gave us instruction on how to display that love. He didn't stop there. He said, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. So that revelation required a dedication. And he said, thou shalt teach them. In other words, we're going we're gonna to not just say that it's some inward experience. It's going to be something that that's, gets lived out. It gets communicated. It gets taught, so we, we ensure that the next generation has what we've got. That's why youth explosion is important. That's why we need to pray about youth explosion. That's why we need to be calling uh, Brother Mark Brown's name. That's why we got to be praying for our team and praying for our youth team and asking that God would anoint them and God would use them. That's why we need our Bible college fired up. Because the next generation is going to take this this message, the next generation, huh? I, I got more gray hair than I want to acknowledge, but I guess I'm moving in that group. But we need, we, need to, we need to ensure that what we've got gets transferred to the next generation. Teach them diligently this love for God. Teach it. Communicate it. Live it. It's got to be a part of a public display of affection. He said, talk about it when thou, listen, when you sit in your house, it's on display. When you walk by the way, it's got to be on display. When you lie down, it's on display. When, when you rise up, every element of your day, there has to be a, an opportunity to display the love in your life for God. Is this too simple for us? Or is it, or, I, I hope it's all right. It's, it's, just, it's just ensuring that our lives communicate our love for God. I'm not, you know, talking a lot about public display tonight. I'm, I'm not ignoring a place of private preparation. Joshua prepared privately for what God was going to use him for. God, God 
put Joshua under Moses and he prepared privately. Elisha prepared privately under Elijah. The 12 disciples prepared privately for what God was going to use them under Jesus. Even Jesus told his mother that his public ministry, when before he performed that first miracle, he said, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. That message he communicated to his own mother. He said, I, I'm still in that place of private preparation. Now, of course, she, she, she kind of pulled it out of him, and the miracle happened. But uh, we're, not dis, we're not ignoring this private place of preparation. You need, uh, not only do, you know, we, gotta, we can flip the script for a moment tonight, because not only do we, some people, they've got the public performance down very well. But the private performance is lacking. The, the private preparation area is, is empty. And God's saying that, that we've got to get these things in order. So we're not ignoring that place of private preparation. It's necessary. But, but we can get caught on either side of that coin and not accomplish what God is calling us to be in this day. We need people that aren't ashamed to publicly display their love for God. Like every seed under the soil, your life will transition from a place of private preparation. When you do that work in that private place, God is preparing you for a place of public declaration of what he can do. Repentance can happen privately, but baptism is a public declaration of your spiritual, your, separate, your salvation experience. Baptism is a public part of your salvation experience. Repentance can happen in a private place. But baptism, someone's going to baptize you. It may not be now, you know, we're seeing a lot more people, they want a private baptism. But, but someone's going to baptize you. It's got to be that public. You can't just do it all by yourself. Now, we tried when we were kids. My sister, I, I don't even know how many times I baptized her. Every time we're in the swimming pool, I, mom said that I, I had a little little podium that I'd preach from, a little little step there going from the kitchen to the living room. That would be my little place for prayer. And, you know, it's just, <clears throat> so, we, you know, but baptism is, it's public. There, there's, there's that element where that work that God is doing in you, is, it gets put on public display. God uses that public display to accomplish work. And, and, and it's, it's significant because the first communicators of the gospel were also the first eyewitnesses of what God was doing. We'll go to our, one of our favorite chapters, Acts chapter 2. It's Peter. He's just stumbled out of the upper room with the other disciples. And it's the third hour of the day. They've been uh, proclaimed to be drunk. And he says, you know, we're not drunk as you suppose and all that. He's, he begins to preach and he says this. He says, this Jesus hath God raised up whereof ye are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, now listen, which ye now see and hear. There was something public that happened that impacted the community. There was something public that happened. What, what happened in their lives became a public display, which ye now see and here. If there had never been a public display, there wouldn't have been a question in Acts chapter 2 and 37. 
Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, brethren, what shall we do? They never would have asked that if there hadn't been a public display of what God was doing. If somebody hadn't been willing to look a little foolish and stumble out of an upper room. If they said, no, 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 we're just going to keep this all in order. No one's ever seen anything like this before. Let's just keep this amongst ourselves. We can keep this quiet. It's going to be very orderly. Everyone's going to sit in their place. Everyone's going to be very diligent. We're going to listen very carefully. At 8 o'clock, we're going to dismiss very promptly. p.m. on the dot. But there's something about when the Holy Ghost begins to move, he starts getting us out of our comfort zone. He gets out of a, uh, gets us out of our little our, our little cocoon. He gets us out of that place that we've become very comfortable and he begins to shake us up a little bit. He begins to yeah, our, our our pride takes another place and he begins to work in us. That public display impacted, which ye now see and hear. Our prayer is that something happens that people see and hear. Notice it didn't happen in the upper room. They didn't usher them all into the upper room. They didn't bring the crowd in 50 at a time. They stumbled out into the streets because what needed to be communicated was too big for the building that they were in. That is what we're praying about. God, would you do something too big for the building that we're in? God, would you do something too great that we can't contain it? We can't hold it. It's got, it's got to get out of the walls. It's got, it's got to get out into the streets because, because it's greater than us. It's bigger than what we could imagine. We're praying that God would do something that impacts our community, that impacts our city. We need a public display of what God is going to do. In us, that happens when we get our private lives in order and we get our, our public display of affection in order with God. Men and brethren, what shall we do? That question will come when we get things in order in our lives. So week one, we talked about loving God. But, but tonight, I'm, I'm talking just to us for a few moments about the fact that God loves me. God we, we're, we're commanded to love God, but in the midst of that, we can't forget the great love that God has for us. If we're talking about a public display of affection, there is no greater public display of affection than God's great love for us. Thank God. Thank God he loved us when we were unlovable. Thank God he found us when, we, when, when everybody else just kind of looked at us and kept on going by us. God said, hang on, I, I've got a work that I want to do in that life. life. It's, it's, it's a, a touchstone scripture in the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world. What? He, he loved the world, but it wasn't just this passive love that, that he held in his heart for humanity. No, he said that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God modeled this for us. He just, he just didn't let love be this, this feeling on the inside. He said, I've, I'm going to put wheels under love. I, I'm going to put action behind love. I'm going to engage in loving the world. God so loved the world that he gave. And he got involved with giving us this gift of salvation. God got involved. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's how much God loved us. 
He knew that we needed that display of love. And, and you know, love gets, <clears throat> gets misused. It may be the most misused word in the Bible. It may be the most misunderstood word in humanity's diction. Some people think that just because they declare the phrase, I love you, means that they don't have to live it. That's not true either. God framed that conversation for us. He allowed us to see love in action. I mean, if you just go back to the beginning, God, God built this world. God framed this world for us. God then formed us with his own hand. He prepared a place for us before we ever came into that place. Why? He loved us. He loved us that much. He looked for Adam when he sinned. Why? Because he loved him. God made a way for sacrifice to cover Adam and Eve, to cover their sin. Why? Because God loved them. He paid that price. And, 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 and we can just shift right down through millennia into here and now. And we, if we could just realize God loves me. God loves me. Maya Angelou was an American poet, a memorialist, and a civil rights activist. She published seven autobiographies. She has three books of essays, several books of poetry. Her career spanned over 50 years. She's received dozens of awards and more than 50 honorary degrees. But in her own words, she said that she was worldly. And she tells about the time that she had a revelation about the greatness of the love of God. It was a teacher that had asked the young lady to read her. The lesson was from lessons of truth. And she read through the lesson and the lesson ended with these simple words, God loves me. She read the piece and she closed the book and the teacher, Frederick Wilson, he asked her to read it again. She pointed at the book and just sarcastically she said, God loves me. God loves me. He said, say it again. She said, God loves me. He said again, God loves me. He said, say it again. God loves me. She said, somewhere around the seventh time that he said, say it again, she said, I began to sense that there might be truth in the statement. She said, I began to realize that there was a possibility that perhaps this great God really did love me. She said, I began to cry at the grandness of it all. She said, it began to settle into my spirit. And she said, I knew that if God loved me, then I, I could do wonderful things. She said, if God loved me, then I could try great things. If God loved me, then I could learn anything. If God loved me, then I could achieve anything. If God loved me, what could stand against me? If God was on my side, if God loved me, then I could accomplish greatness. If God loved me, then, then I, I, I could go further than I ever could have imagined. If God, that one simple, single sentence at the end of a lesson that a teacher just commended her to read it again. Read it again. How many times would it benefit us if we just stopped what we were doing and reminded ourselves about ten times, God loves me. God loves me. Change it up a little. God loves me. God loves me. Say it, say it. God loves 
me. God loves me in spite of everything wrong that I've done. God, God loves me. God, God knew me. He formed me. God prepared this life before I ever came into it. God was at work. God and that God, that God that created this whole universe, that God that framed the world that we are in, God, that God loves me. That God. First John chapter 4 and verse 8, it just simply says God is love. We know that we have, we know that we have faith when we can say God loves me. We know that. Belief says that God is love. We can all just believe. Uh, I believe that God is love. I believe that. But, but it's different when you shift it over and you say, but I believe that God loves me. We can read that verse. God is love. First John 4, 8. We can quote it. We can, we can memorize it. We can pound the Bible. Uh, what is it? The Kathy, Bible quizzing buzzer. I was, I was not good in Bible quizzing. I, I never really did Bible quizzing. I wasn't even good helping with Bible quizzing. Kathy, <laughs> we did Bible quizzing with the kids. It was usually like moments of crying and muttering with the children. That's not my favorite thing. I don't know. Punctuated by Kathy saying, Jack, pay attention. <laughs> and then the kids were hard to deal with, too. <laughs> Woo! Look a squirrel. That would sum it up. But if we could take some time and memorize that simple phrase until it lands deep in our spirit. God loves, I believe that God loves me. When you're in relationship, little things become powerful things. I was only in, uh, just in grade seven, junior high school, started junior high school when my grandfather on my mother's side passed away. We called him Poppy. Poppy. And uh, I think, I think, I think we were the first grandkids on that side. Let, I didn't take time to do the math. Let's just say it because it sounds good. We were the, and, uh, you know, for, for many of the things that maybe my grandfather had wrong, he didn't have the love for us right. And uh, I can remember his kindness to us and his proud glance and gaze. And I remember just very fondly our relationship with him. And uh, it was when he passed that uh, one of my uncles, we were at the, the modest home that they lived in, and one of my uncles leaned over and he said, is there anything of Grampy's poppies that you would like to have? And I, I shuffled a few things around, and, and I picked out just a small brass compass, just a little brass compass. I've, uh, I've checked it. It doesn't really seem to work very well. Um, it's not any tremendous brand name that anybody would pay anything for it's got rust and underneath the the dial a little bit on one corner it's it's just a simple little compass but it's valuable to me it's just a small thing but it's valuable to me not because of the brass content it's valuable to me because of the relationship that I had with my grandfather it's the little things that that become valuable I one of the Treasures that I have, I, you know, the, the top drawer has the treasures. 
not of value in monetary scales, but it's just a small envelope with a, a note that Kristen left when she went on her honeymoon. And our dynamic at home was going to forever change. There was just that little note that she wrote to, to me. And that's precious to me. It's a, it's a 10 cent envelope and a $2 card. But it's worth far more than what I could pay. It's valuable. It's little things that mean a lot when you're connected in relationship. It's that little compass. It's different things. It's a note that my dad left me. It's in my bookcase. I can take you to the collection of books that I keep it in. Don't throw my books away, please. It's just a, a note that my dad wrote that it's, it's unforgettable. It's for me, I know exactly where it is. It's, it's precious to me. Um, it's not valuable to me, anyone else, but to me, it's, it's valuable because it's relationship. It's, it's connected to the people that I love. It's, it's love. Love is a powerful thing. It takes little things and turns them into valuable things. When you're in relationship with God, little things matter a whole lot. Because they matter to him. That's why punctuated in the word, you'll find little phrases like, you know, he knows the sparrow that falls. Just a little thing. But God's well aware of what's happening. It's the lily that most would overlook, but God writes about it. It's the overlooked that gets his attention. It's the hair of your head that's numbered, which means he knows every one of those that's already fallen out. not overlooked by God. And how often have we overlooked the little things that God just does to let us know that he loves us, that they become part of the backdrop of life that we are running so hectically in. And God's just saying, hey, if you just stop for a moment, I'm trying to let you know how much I love you. Maybe sometimes we do need to have a teacher tell us, read that again. God loves me. Re read it again because it's 10 to 8 and we're thinking about leaving. So just, just, just read that again. God loves me. God loves us. The grand things, the grand things, the marvelous things, the incredible things, the astronomical love of God, all of the scientific evidence that proves God's creation for us was by divine design, all of that, but sometimes it's just, it's just the little things. His mercy was new this morning. Thank God. God loves me. It's the little things that God knew, his foreknowledge knew about every failure that we would have beforehand. But he still reached down and picked us up and put our feet on a rock. Why? I got no other words, just three words. God loves me. God loves me. I was finishing the notes reading through today, and I just <clears throat> thought of an old song time after time 
I went searching for peace in some void. I was to, trying to blame all my ills on this world I was in. Surface relationships used me till I was done in. And all of the while, someone was begging to free me from sin. He was there all the time. He was there all the time. Waiting patiently in line. He was there all the time. Doesn't that sum it up? God's love for us is that great that he waits. He waits for us to exhaust ourselves on everything that we think we might love. And he waits for us to exhaust ourselves on everything that we think might love us back and might fill that void in our heart. But all the time, God's just saying, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just waiting for you to come to the simple realization, the revelation, God loves me. I can believe, I can believe with many of you that God loves you. You, you got it together. God, but, but sometimes we just need a, a revelation. God, God loves me. He does love us. He loves us. Jeremiah said at 31.3, he said, yea, I, God said, the old of everlasting. He said, yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Romans 5.8, but God commendeth his, lo his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? God loves us. God loves me. God loves me. Ephesians 3, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. And then, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. God loves me. It's in the little things. It's in the little things, in spite of every sin, in spite of every failing, in spite of all of that. God has a purpose for our lives. We're here in the room because God has more in store. God loves me. Pastor Jack, if you knew all my failures, he did. He did. If you, if you, if you only knew, he does. He knows. doesn't matter. He still says, I love you. If you'd stand together with me tonight. His foreknowledge knew every one of our failures. But his reach came for us when we were unreachable. He called for us when everyone deserted us. He loves us. We're talking about a public display of affection. It would be so wrong if we left the room not acknowledging how much God loves us. I wonder if you just thank God for that kind of love tonight. I wonder if you would just lift hands in the room and, and then lift your heart and let God know, God, I'm not overlooking it. I, I'm, I'm not missing it tonight. I got the message. God, help me. Help me to live in that revelation of your love. God, help me to live with the understanding that, God, there isn't anything that I could do that would remove me from you loving me. You may correct me, God. You may order my steps through some rough territory. You may knock the rough edges off me, but God, don't ever, I can't ever make the mistake of thinking that you don't love me. You, God, you, you, the creator, you, the great 
awesome, incredible, mighty God. You sitting on the throne. You in the, in God in the presence of angels. And God, you in your heavenly throne room. You overlooking all of humanity. You, you love me. You, God, you love me. You love me tonight, God. I, I pray that, God, we would walk in that revelation. I ask that we would walk in that understanding. I, I pray, God, that we would walk, God, with our head held high because you haven't forgotten us. Others have, but you never did. God, I, I ask that you'd heal brokenness in hearts. I, I pray that people that have had those that were in positions of authority, God, that, that did not love them, I pray that you would overcome all of that hurt, all of that pain, all of that past, God, with your great love, love. You said it, God, it covers a multitude of sins. That's the power of your love. Your love, when it moves in our lives, God, it works in the impossible ways. It, it works in the miraculous ways. That's the power of your love. God, your love, let it move in this room right now. I, I pray, Father, let a miracle happen. Let somebody sense your love. They thought they were beyond feeling. They didn't imagine that you could ever touch them in that way. But somewhere in the middle of a simple lesson, tonight your love broke through the barrier your love came through it it came into that place of brokenness it came in to that place of hurt it came in God and overwhelmed them overcame them they're just barely holding it together tonight because they realize there's something to what this message is about is for them God you loved us your love for us so we love you back, God. We love you with our hearts. We love you with our minds. We love you with our soul. God, we love you with our strength. God, we love you with all of our heart. We love you with all of our mind. We love you with all of our soul. We love you with all of our strength. We love you tonight, God, because you first loved us. Would someone just clap hands to the Lord because he's that, he's that great God tonight. He's that great God tonight. He's that great God tonight. Come on, just keep that going for a moment. I'm telling you, you can do anything if God's on your side. It doesn't matter what the devil lie may come. You can, come on, you can accomplish greatness in God. Why? He loves you. He, he's on your side. God loves you. Amen. Someone shout amen. 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 You're dismissed tonight. We love you very much. God bless you. Don't forget to pray. Thank you, thank you, thank you for praying and fasting. We'll see you Friday night. Prayer meeting, the last two prayer meetings. I Pray the snow away, at least. The pretty, beautiful snowfall. Pray it away for Friday night. You're dismissed. God bless you.